All right. Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast, which is now part of Fantasy Basketball International. I guess it has been for a few episodes now, so I don't have to say that it's now part of it. Uh, but this is episode 28. Uh, Current Toll War is going to join me once again. And this time, instead of breaking it down a division, we're just going to recap Media Day. So let's get into it. just a quick reminder before we start sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity and i want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or get ahead having multiple sports book accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits and there's never been a better time to sign up when you visit my page signupexpert.com tml you'll be connected to all the sports books in your region along with the review of each platform and its unique benefits all of these sports books have valuable signup offers for new users and when you register through my link you will automatically receive the top offer at each one when you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand, please consider signing up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash TML. I'm Noah Rubin, uh, back with, like I said, episode 28 of the Tank Me Later podcast, and we're going to talk about Media Day. And I'm going to bring in Curran right now. Man, um, busy media day. But before we get into that, first of all, before we even get into what I said we were going to get into before media day, how are you doing? I'm, I'm well, man. I'm good. Just uh, cranking out these these pods. Uh, yesterday, I did one with B-Dub as well uh, for the FBI uh, World Cup, a mock for phase one. So that was quite interesting. I am also traveling Thursday, Thursday night. So I'm trying to get as much of this done in the last next three or four days, and then it'll be uh, then we travel. So excited, excited to talk about media day. Uh, let's hear all about everyone who's shooting threes, everyone who's a secondary playmaker, everyone who's gained muscle, you know, because that's that's every year. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm chuffed to talk about this today. Yeah, man, you've been on a hot streak with these podcasts. What is this? Uh, your fourth in five days or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah, fourth in five days <laughs> should be. It's nice. a, it, it's a, once you get the taste of it, you want more. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely fun to do. And I'm assuming when you get back from traveling, we'll pick the street back up. Maybe not quite as, you know, four and five days is a lot, but maybe, maybe we'll see. But, but um, before we get into media day, let's talk about the uh, fantasy basketball international world cup. Uh, we are drafts are underway. I believe they started about from the time of recording uh, 28 hours ago, which means in my league, they've made 16 picks, which is great because, you know, I understand, you know, it's different time zones. Obviously people are going to take time. Sure. Cool. Um, it's just very different when I've been doing 30 second per pick mock drafts all summer. And now it's six hours per pick. And based on the way time zones work, sometimes it takes that full six hours, uh, but how has, I guess, if you want to mention what division you're in and kind of how your draft has gone so far, maybe some interesting picks and how, how you've been able to, I know you've only made one pick. I've only made one pick, but how, how it's gone so far. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in the West. First of all, shout out to, to, to beat up and Josh, right? Especially beat up, set up the whole, the whole divisions and the, the, the drafts and randomizations a few days ago that I saw a little bit of that video and that seemed like it was a lot of work so 
So good on him. Props to him. Um, I think yeah. In terms of the draft, uh, I spoke about this a little bit yesterday in the in the mock. The strategy is a little bit different because you're only drafting until January 28th. So I keep that top of mind. Um, for example, rookies who um, later on in the draft, like rookies etc., who may pop off in Feb March, I'm not interested in them at the moment because maybe by Jan they don't. Right, and we'll have another draft. Uh, I'm not particularly interested in John Morant, for example, because he's going to miss the majority of this 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 three month mm-hmm. period. I am interested in in Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. They get a bit of a boost in this format. So having said that, I did take Tatum in my first round, um, and I'm I'm pretty okay with that because I feel like after the Drew trade, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit uh, later on, I think he has a potential to get his defensive stats slightly up because he is needing to be he will need to play more of the four now. So I took him, and in my second round, matter of fact, I have made my second round pick as well. So I took Kate Cunningham. Um, the decision part for the second uh, for my second pick was between him and James Harden. And then when I heard about James Harden's, which we'll talk about again, spoiler alert, uh, James Harden later on as well. Uh, when I heard about his media day, you know what's happening there, then he just I pushed him down on my board a little bit. So took Kate there. Did also consider Carl Anthony Towns, who went the pick after. Uh, one of the interesting things I've seen before I pass it back to you is in in my in my uh, in my draft, Anthony Davis fell to 13, 14, 15, 16, um, and the the person paired them up with Lamelo Ball, which I feel like is is, is awesome. Nine and nine and fifteen, um, and that I feel like they got some value there because because you know Davis per game could easily return that. So interesting, interesting. Let's see, let's see how the rest of it gets on. How's yours going? Yeah, it's uh, like I said, going slow, but it's been good so far. I have pick three. I'm also in the West. Um, I'm trying to remember specifically what I'm in Queenstown. So I don't know if anybody listening to this is also in Queenstown division, um, but don't take my guys if you are. Uh, but I have pick three, got Joel Embiid, which I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty happy about. I expect him to go to two. It's not tremendous value. Like a lot of people are going to take Luca at two. Um, but Embiid at three, I'm happy with that, hoping that I'm not even sure who I'm targeting at this point. So if you're listening to this with the intent of trying to steal who I have, sorry, I don't have anything for you. Uh, I'm just going to kind of see who's available. I feel like in the first two rounds, if if I go to bed, maybe I'll set a small queue. Um, but I'm hoping that with like six more pick five picks until my turn, because Fantrax has it right here that I won't have to do that, but we'll see that I'll, hopefully be awake in time to make the pick. So um, nothing too crazy has happened yet. Um, I don't think Sabonis at thir- at uh, excuse me, 15, Kyrie at 16 is early. Uh, somebody was able to pair LaMelo Ball and Trey Young, which I think if you're picking from 11 or 12, that's pretty ideal because you have two guys that are going to get a ton of assists, a ton of turnovers, a ton of points, shoot a high free throw percentage, um, I think Trey Young is going to get back to hitting over three threes per game. He was down last year. I think he gets back up this year. Shoot a low field goal percentage. Um, so they kind of fit well together. I think it's it's pretty, you know, hard punt for some of those categories. But I like that strategy. And then somebody else able to pair Katie and Kyrie, which I don't think is some incredible strategy. I just think it's funny because it's you know just getting the getting the boys back together uh, to try and maybe maybe bring a championship. Maybe they're, they're probably not, but what if they're Nets fans just trying to relive the glory days of last year? Maybe, I don't know, probably not, but 
Um, yeah. So if anybody is listening to this uh, or sees it on Twitter or YouTube, comment and let us know how your draft is going. I guess that's a good way to stay involved because the uh, slow draft process is slow at times and we want to stay entertained. But we will go ahead and dive into media day. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up our slides because I went through and did about I think like 10 topics that we can kind of talk about. I don't know how long we'll go on each question. Um, hopefully not so much detail that we're talking about some of these things for two hours, but we're going to try and keep this short and sweet with good information. Uh, so the, well, this was before media day, but the first thing to talk about is the Drew Holiday trade. Last time we were able to talk about the initial Damian Lillard trade. And we were kind of saying, Hey, uh, Drew holiday is not going to stick around to Portland. I don't think anybody thought that. So pretty quickly, um, faster than I kind of expected. I didn't expect it to happen that fast. Uh, but Drew holiday is now a Boston Celtic. Uh, Boston had to give up Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, the Warriors first this year, and then an unprotected first from Boston in 2029. So that's, you know, Two probably late firsts, but two firsts, Robert Williams, Brogdon. And overall, Portland was able to get DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, Jumani Kamara, three first-round picks, and two pick swaps from the Bucks for Damian Lillard. Um, that's a heck of a haul. I don't think that they're planning, based on media day reports, I don't think that they plan to trade Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, they don't. They're going to keep DeAndre Ayton, Robert Williams, and I imagine Chimani Kamara is sticking around just because he probably doesn't have a ton of trade value at this point. Um, Malcolm Brogdon also chose ninety, the number 92 to wear. So I don't know if that affects whether he's a guy that you want to target in fantasy basketball or not uh, because somebody that wears 92 is just not somebody that I imagine producing in fantasy. But Malcolm Brogdon is a good player, so he'll probably be able to uh, be one of the the best number 92s of all time. I'll be up there competing with Deshaun Stevenson for that title. Uh, but Curran, just kind of give me your thoughts on how this trade went. If there's somebody that you think is really impacted in fantasy in a good way or really impacted in a bad way. Yeah. Speaking of numbers as well, I think uh, obviously Dame went in and got number zero in, in the Bucks. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty, I hope for Marjan Bochamp, who was, I think, number zero before, I hope he got something from Dame mm -hmm. in, in return for giving that number. <laughs> but yeah, this, this, this trade, um, yeah, I mean, uh, Drew moves to, to Boston. Boston is, I mean, if you look at that depth chart, they are relatively thin at the moment. I think there's like six players maybe seven if you want to count. I think they signed Wendy and Gabriel. Seven players who are going mm -hmm. to be playing rotation minutes regularly. Um, Drew Holiday remains to me same. And, you know, you get him in the 60s. I'm happy with that. I wouldn't reach for him in the top 40 um, like we would in previous years just because he is playing with Jalen Brown and, and Porzingis and Tatum. Um, I feel like Derek White, your, your, your guy Derek White. Yeah, sad day, sad day. Sad day in the Derek White household. <laughs> top 70 season, like top 70 pick is probably not it for him. If you get him outside the top 100, it's great. If you get him outside the top 90, I can potentially live with it just because of the depth, which which I mentioned earlier. Um, in terms of Rob Williams, uh, and we move on to the Portland side, in terms of Rob Williams, I, I don't know, man. I think, I, I, are they going to play him at the four with, with Aiton? That's, that's not a lineup that, that makes a lot of sense on paper, mm -hmm. but let's see. Um, he is going to play, I think, 20, 22 minutes 
minimum. I mean, I would say could be on the could be higher than this easily. I would not target him in the top hundred at the moment. Uh, seeing what happens in preseason, not uh, before that, but I wouldn't target him in the top hundred at the moment. Um, Malcolm Brogdon as well. Again, Portland's guard depth behind Simons and and Scoot, and if you want to count Sharp as a two-three, is is slightly is thin as well. So he could be playing 25, 26 minutes there. As a back-end guy, if you want to like get some assists, some good free throws, like in the last round, I'd potentially be okay with it. But I don't see much upside there. Um, Aiton, we spoke about, I think, a little bit yesterday um, in our in our last podcast, which we did a few days mm-hmm. ago as well. He does lose a little bit with with, with Robert Williams there because there is there is someone who can come in and and, and take some of those minutes as well. Um, but yeah, that that's how I'm looking at this at this trade at the moment. Yeah, it's like you said. We'll circle back to Boston, but Derek White was a guy that I was probably drafting maybe even inside the top 70, barely, uh, with with the hope of him having that top 50 upside that I've been saying. That would obviously have been best-case scenario. Uh, I still think that there's a chance that he starts. I, I don't know if he'll start at shooting guard with Al Horford off the bench or if he'll just be the sixth man. Not sure what that looks like yet. Um, but the assist upside's gone. He'll probably be very similar to what he was last year. So, um, yeah, Robert Williams, I, I kept seeing uh, different Twitter accounts posting that Portland's starting lineup was going to be um, like Scoot, Anthony Simons, uh, Jeremy Grant at the three, Robert Williams at the four, and DeAndre Aiden at the five. Or I saw one that even had Anthony Simons as the sixth man, um, which was just just very interesting to me that the way that some people just look at it. Um, Cause to me, Robert Williams and Deandre Ayton at the four and five just isn't going to work. I think the reason that it worked uh, with two bigs in Boston was the fact that Al Horford is just an incredible defender, both down low and on the perimeter. And he could kind of switch out onto fours and in guys time, Robert Williams kind of sit and help Deandre Ayton's just not doing that. So it doesn't make sense defensively. And it certainly doesn't make sense offensively because Robert Williams can't, he's not going to space the floor much. I'm not saying he's awful, but he's not a guy you're looking. I mean, he's certainly not hitting threes. I feel like he, for some reason, I feel like he has like a little bit of touch from mid range, but he's probably not shooting a ton of those. DeAndre has a little bit of touch from mid range, but it just, it clogs the lanes. And if they have guys like Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant, they're going to try and get to the basket. They want spacing Uh, starting Scoot, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton just makes sense to me. And having Robert Williams kind of playing a similar role, like 20, 22 minutes off the bench, uh, like you said, definitely limits Aiton. Uh, we, I think after the trade, it was like, wow, DeAndre Aiton is going to be the center in Portland. He's going to play 32, 34 minutes a night, and he could have the best fantasy season of his career. And now it's like Robert Williams here. It's like, oh, crap. Like, Robert Williams has plenty of, has had plenty of injuries and knee issues, but when he's on the court, like they have to play him 20 minutes a night, bare minimum. So that really limits Aiden because those two, I just, I just don't feel like they fit together. Maybe they can make it work or maybe they just try and force it and just see what they have. I don't know what Shanti Phillips is going to do. Um, Brogdon, like you said, I, I don't have not much fantasy upside. I think he's going to be able to be a great veteran for them. Um, maybe if, depending on how they do things, I don't know, maybe they'll want to initially have him start at point guard and let Scoot come off the bench I don't know that I'd do that. Um, I think just having him there as a mentor for Scoot is going to be really good and maybe try and trade him at the deadline. 
uh, to try and get a little bit of value back into a contender. I think that's probably how that kind of thing plays out. But Oh, and yeah, Drew Holiday is going to be really freaking good in Boston, and they're going to be a really, really good team. Um, I don't think, like you said, it impacts his fantasy value a ton. Um, maybe the offensive opportunities go down a little bit, but I would assume the efficiency pops up and he's able to focus a little bit more defensively, maybe get some like even more steals. I don't know. I don't think that's uh, going to impact too much for him there. Do you have uh, anything else about this trade before we move on to uh, whatever the next thing is? I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I think one thing you mentioned is I want to highlight that again. Like Malcolm Brogdon could still be traded, right? Because yeah. I don't believe in trade showcases, but there were sort of reports of his his health, right, before the Clippers trade. Mm-hmm. So if if he comes in and plays a few months and he looks healthy, there are contenders who could use him coming off the bench Definitely. or maybe even starting, right? So that's something to keep in mind. Maybe December, Jan, Feb, he gets moved and then they get some something in return or maybe picks in return, one pick or two picks in return. Yeah. And yeah, so we'll move on. Devin Vassell, that's who it was. I was. I think I added this in later because it happened right at 5 p.m. after I'd already made some of these, but he got a five-year, $146 million extension. Um, I'm a huge Vassell fan. I think he's going to have a really good season. I think he missed some games last year due to knee issues, but I think another year of development, having Victor Wembanyama there should allow him because him and Kelton Johnson were kind of the main scorers last year, but everybody's going to have like game plans. You're going to be centered around Wemby just because of the hype. So I feel like Vassell may go a bit under the radar at times, but I think he's going to be in for a really good year. And he has a very fantasy friendly game, hits a ton of threes, gets steals athletic enough to maybe get you half a block and has the upside, I think to get more than that. Um, but the Spurs also kind of showed that commitment of, Hey, we really believe in this guy. We're going to give him almost $30 million a year. Now it's not quite as much as some other guys from that draft class have gotten. Obviously you look at Anthony Edwards, Lamelo. of course they're going to get more. Desmond Bain got more. It's not quite to that level, but he's still a really, really good player. And they clearly value him. I think he's probably him and Wemby. Well, I'd say Zach Collins, a guaranteed starter um, are like the three guaranteed starters in San Antonio to me. And I thought it was going to be Trey Jones and Keldon Johnson, but then there was a media day photo with uh, Jeremy Sohan and not Trey Jones. And I have no idea if they were trying to throw everybody off with that or just doing that for whatever other reason. And that's nothing to do with their starting five. I don't know. Uh, We'll kind of have to see what happens there, but does a massive extension like this uh, during media day kind of make you feel, I guess, a little bit more hopeful about Devin Vassell or does it make you kind of say, Oh, he just got paid maybe he's not as motivated now. Like I, I don't feel like that, but I want, I'm curious kind of what you think, how this extension maybe impacts him. Yeah, I think I, I agree with a lot of what you said, right. In terms of he did take big strides last year, right. In terms of being more on ball, his three point shooting, you mentioned mm-hmm. as well, which is, which is getting up there in terms of how good it is. His, he had secondary playmaking chops. He showed as well, mm-hmm. which is something which he could have in this lineup. He did bro- overall. He just took a broader, a bigger offensive load last year, uh, which which was interesting and which was good to see, right? Because he does have that talent to be a three and D um, as well as a secondary playmaker. So for people who've been following Spurs and us in fantasy who like Devin Vassell, this is no surprise in terms of the extension for him. But I think what it does do is for some of more the the people who are not following the Spurs as much before this year or 
maybe just not big on the tank job, the quote-unquote that Spurs did last year to uh, to get Wemby. Now they will be noticing, okay, Devin Vassell, let's see, let's see what he's about, right? So maybe maybe in in, in ADPs etc. He rises. I mean, this is just this is just a guess based on some people who don't know his value. But for us, like it, it remains the same. For me, he's going to be clearly. Um, maybe in the beginning, he's the number one option, right? Because Wemby is still picking up. Obviously, he will become the second option as soon as Wemby has one or two of those big games. Um, and then and then he's he's a key part of their future moving forward. So, I, I love this for them. And I think in from a pure macro perspective, I think as, as the cap will go up in the next few years, this will start to look like a bargain if you look at it from year two, year three onwards. I know this number looks big right now, but over time, this would be a bargain if he stays healthy, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, being at Barkin, I think, is something that I definitely like was going to say. So I'm, I'm glad you went ahead and mentioned that. Um, yeah, Devin Vassell is not obviously not the future of the Spurs, but I think he's going to be a starter there for a long time. This contract reaffirms their commitment. And Dynasty, I already was very high on him, but I feel even a little bit more comfortable now. Uh, that even despite missing over half the season last year with a knee issue, they gave him a big extension. They gave him money. They're committed to him. They believe in him. So I think that could really start to be shown as early as this season. Um, I think his FBI ADP was 73 when I just had that pulled up. So a guy you're able to get early in the seventh round. I have no problem taking him earlier than that, though. So I think he's in for a big year. Uh, we'll move on. I know you mentioned this earlier. James Harden didn't show up for media day because he's quote unquote still upset. He wants to be traded to the Clippers and it hasn't happened yet because the Clippers just don't have the assets to make a move for James Harden. They just don't. But um, I know you had the opportunity to pick him uh, with whatever. Would you have picked 18 to get him? Where I, I don't know yes. where you. So you had the opportunity to take him there. Uh, where do you think you would have drafted him? Like, where would you feel comfortable drafting him? And then if you want to add some speculation about, you know, what, where could he end up? Like, is he sticking in Philadelphia? Is he going to get to the Clippers? Are they going to trade him somewhere else? Is he going to just sit out and not play? It's uh, for me. Yeah, it was a pick twenty, and I had him in my op mind, and with Carl Towns as well, and then and then Kate, who I ended up picking. I think for James Harden, this is the final year of his contract. He needs to play this year in order for him to get that contract and, and uh, another contract next year. So he, he if he wants to play more more years, he needs to come in and play this year, right? The uncertainty now is essentially a staring match between Daryl Morey and him. Who's going to blink first? And, and then we, we just have to wait on that as, as people in fantasy. Because wherever he ends up, right, he's still going to be a primary ball handler, right? Let's say he goes to the Clippers, still the primary ball handler. Let's say he stays here, still the primary ball handler, right? He goes somewhere else. I can't, can't think of a third team, but wherever yeah. he can go, he'll still end up being like 20 and 10, right? Which, is, which has its value. So I, I think I wouldn't, because if you can get him in round three, right, and end of round three, let's let's say thirty pick pick thirty onwards, and we find out by opening night that he's moved to the Clippers and, and it's all fine, and we find out maybe like one week into the season that it's fine, um, then you've got some value there. You you potentially got fifteen spots of value. The flip side of that is that we've seen this with Ben Simmons with with Daryl Morey, although it was a little bit of a different situation, not as much, not not as how this one is, that. 
they could just wait for the best offer and just keep waiting and waiting. But I think in terms of Philly, they are looking at this year as a championship contention. So I don't think they would want to wait so long to settle this. Just because, you know, with Embiid and his all the back talk of the Knicks and all that kind of stuff that's happening in the back end. And then you see the arms race in the East. Like, you got Milwaukee with Dame. you got Drew in, in Boston. Uh, shout out Miami Heat, you know, staying the same. Uh, uh, so, with, with, with that in mind, Philly needs to decide what they want to do, right? And that's that to me is a factor that this won't... I'm not predicting this, but I think it's not going to take that that long for this to get settled. So I would take him in the third round. If he falls in the fourth round, I'm taking him every day. I, I'll take that risk in the fourth round. Uh, and then and cover the draft up. I've spoken about this concept. I'll cover the draft up with more safer picks. And then in, in my picks around that, so that I can take him in round four or round three and be happy with it, even if he's out for a month. Yeah, I like, I like that line of thinking because I was pretty against drafting him altogether. Um, I'm not... I was, I'm pretty low on James Harden. And I think that's just something that, I don't know, this is probably just me being wrong is that even if he's fully healthy, I probably, probably late second round for me. And I know he has the upside to be much better. I just, I don't know. There's just something about it. I just don't like, but, and that's, you know, the hard hitting analysis you get on the take me later podcast is just, I don't like the vibes and all of a sudden I'm out. But uh, third round, I think is, you know, it's a, probably a good spot. Pick 30, I think I'd be very happy to take him there because even if there's a guy I don't like at some point, you can get them late enough that, okay, I like them now because, yeah, it just makes sense for value. Fourth round, I agree every time. Pick 30, I think, is probably a good spot for me um, because you already have at least two guys that are solid uh, solid picks in your with your first two. I don't know at this point if I'm taking him in the second round. His ADP, I believe, was like 21 before. Um, I think the team, if he doesn't stick in Philadelphia, um, and they don't find a trade with the Clippers because it just see this, I think the Clippers just stopped being interested. I don't think that Philadelphia was stopped, even though it was probably to do with Daryl Morey's high price. Well, justifiably high price. I don't think the Clippers have a ton to trade away. Uh, that makes sense for Philly that also allows the Clippers to remain a contender. So it's just kind of iffy, but I could see something with Miami if they actually want to do that. Cause I mean, they, they were trying to pursue a Damian Lillard trade. I don't see why they wouldn't flip to James Harden right now if he's in for that. Uh, but he also is probably the exact opposite of heat culture in the way he plays and operates. It's just the exact opposite of what they like. So the talent makes sense. And I think the fit on the floor makes sense, but I just think that, it's kind of a, like Damian Lillard in, in hashtag heat culture that like kind of made sense. I just don't know if James Harden would be quite as uh, quite as good of a fit as Dame would have been, but um, that would also be a really good spot for ball a good bit, but also play off ball when Jimmy Butler has it. Pick and rolls with Bam Adebayo would be good for him. So maybe my, uh, my dark horse team to come away with James Harden is Miami, um, and I think that would be pretty good. Because I think time's kind of up in Philly, and I don't, I don't know. The Clippers just seem like I know he wants to go there, but if we're just talking strictly fantasy, like having Russell Westbrook there, if you're, I just feel like they would still start him and just do Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Zubats, and that just sounds like an absolute mess to me. So I don't know. To me, that just sounds like a bunch of guys that are past their prime trying to win a ring together, and it just just wouldn't work out. Um, 
but we can move on to another. Well, we were just talking about Kawhi Leonard. Um, so these are a couple of quotes that he said today. Um, and I just kind of pulled them out of longer ones, but he said, if I'm able to play, I'm going to play basketball. And if I'm hurt, I can't play basketball. These last two years, I tore my ACL and I tore my meniscus. I'm either guarding the best player or the best players guarding me. Uh, there was another quote where somebody asked him about like the, the games played threshold and like the not sitting back to backs, like playing 65 games to get awards and um, the team's not able to rest one or like two stars at the same time. Um, and he, he was like, I have no idea what I haven't even heard of these things, like whatever, but then basically kind of saying like, you know, when I, when he was in Toronto, if the NBA want to hold, wants to hold that against him, like he was coming off an injury. Um, but if, you know, I think the same was kind of the case at the beginning of last season, but then he got hurt again. And then when he was able to play last season, he played big minutes and he was very effective and then got hurt again in the playoffs. The way he was talking today kind of made me think that like, okay, he has the mentality now where he's actually kind of sick and tired of everybody saying this. Cause in the past, I mean, it's been going on for years now where people are saying, Oh, Kawhi can't stay healthy. Kawhi doesn't want to play basketball. He doesn't, he doesn't like it. He just does it for the money. Now he's got paid. Like he's going to rest as much as possible, come in play a little bit here and there. So he can still get paid, whatever. Now it's, he's kind of making me think that, okay, he's kind of interested in playing as much as he possibly can this season. Um, and it makes me feel more confident drafting him. He also said he wants to play in the Olympics next summer which was pretty surprising to me because I think he's a guy where it's, I can't imagine him want, like wanting to play in the Olympics because of the narrative that's around him of not wanting to, or like not being available for games, probably wanted to take the summer to rest. So that was exciting to me to make me kind of say, okay, like Kawhi Leonard might be back. Like he might actually play a lot this season, take it more serious. It seems like Paul George is kind of given that same vibe with his quotes like this has me hyped up and ready to say this is the year for the Clippers. Like, am I am I overreacting? Should or should we have a good bit of optimism heading into the season with Kawhi Leonard? We should. We should. So there's a lot to unpack there, right? Firstly, I think in in general, right, players don't want to miss games. Right. I these guys all want to play basketball, right? But that's just in general. I know the media and a lot of hate for like load management and sitting games and all that, but in general, I would say that is a norm for players, right? Mm-hmm. So, in terms of for Kawhi, right, last year I took him in one of the FBI leagues. It was a roto league. So, that was, it was eight cat, I reckon. And I took him in, I think, the, the 30s, I want to say. And obviously, you, you said it earlier, he started off really slow. He was coming off the bench, he was playing 20 minutes. I was in the in the Discord chat. I was getting a lot of slack from everyone. They were sending me like Keegan Murray trade offers. They were sending me Jeremy <laughs> Sohan trade offers. They're like, this guy's not going to do nothing for you. And I'm just like, all right, all right, fair, 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 all right. And I almost, someone sent me an Aiton offer, DeAndre Aiton for him, and I almost pulled the trigger, right? Because that's how <laughs> frustrating it was to have him in your fantasy team. But then I kept with it. And then obviously when he came back, he was a top five, top six player, right? Mm-hmm. Um in terms of me looking at him for this year, uh, I would be happy to take him in the third round. Again, with that same logic, which was there for James Harden, you cover it off with sort of around there, more quote-unquote safer players, safer picks. In round three, happy to do it in a in a format which is uh, roto. Yeah, I mean, I'd even like early round three is fine for me because it's roto, right? It's, it's easier. And head-to-head, like maybe after pick 33, 34, like late, 
third round, I'd start to definitely look at him. Um, and in terms of moving forward, you know what you're going to get. He is going to miss back-to-backs. Um, assume that he's not going to play back-to-backs this year. He may, like he did last year towards the end, but he's coming off that knee injury. He may not play. And uh, in terms of for the Olympics, that's that's good to hear as well. That means he's obviously, I don't think, please correct me, I don't think he's won a medal yet uh, in terms of for the Olympics. I don't think he was part of the 20, the last few squads. So it would be good for his own like overall legacy as well if he wants to look at that. And as, us as fantasy people, that's like, okay, he wants to stay fit and he wants to have a healthy off-season as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy with him in the in, in the in the third round onwards. Just just know your league as well because sometimes he may fall to like round four, round five as well, I've seen. Because there's some people who are just like, I'm never drafting Kawhi again after last year. And then if you know that about your league, then you can potentially get a first rounder at pick 47 and if it works out, you have uh, an almost league winner in your hands if you've drafted well throughout. That's what I would say. Yeah, I'm looking it up because you mentioned that um, he, let's see. I think he was on the 2014 FIBA World Cup team. He played with the 2012 USA Select team. Um, maybe he wasn't. Yeah, no, it looks like he was kind of with the team, but didn't really play. He hasn't really played for Team USA yet. So if he were to play, it would be his first time. Uh, his ADP in the um, FBI draft-only leagues was 38. So that'd be early fourth round. I think I would absolutely take him there after these quotes. Absolutely. I think before it was kind of like, oh, that's kind of like a fair place to take him. Maybe, you know, get him at value, cool. But I think after the, I don't know, maybe I'm just too much of a sucker for a good quote. And I feel like this is the Clippers year now, but I think I feel more comfortable taking Kawhi, especially if he's going after Paul George, which I don't know if that'll happen in drafts that are happening now, but that's what happened in these draft only leagues is Paul George went a few picks before Kawhi, but I don't know. I just feel like, like you said, he's probably not going to play back-to-backs. What will probably happen is when there's a back-to-back, Paul George will play one, and then Kawhi will play the other, depending, like, or vice versa. One of them will play game one, one of them will play game two. Um, but maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe, I mean, both of them are coming off injuries. Uh, I know Kawhi's just knee. I can't even remember what Paul George's was. I think, yeah, I don't remember. But um, I imagine that there will be times where they have to load manage in a way. Uh, but I think that, you know, like you said, Kawhi was able to play in back-to-backs down the stretch of last season. So might be able to keep doing that. I don't know. I I have more optimism heading into this season for Kawhi than I have over probably the past two seasons. So I think especially having the ADP drop helps that because last year I think he was still a second-round guy. But getting him late third, early fourth round, I'd feel I'd be very happy with that. Yes, sir. Agree. So uh, we'll keep talking about the Clippers, apparently, because I guess I put all these in order. But uh, Bones Highland, so both Tyron Liu and Kawhi Leonard referred to him as the quote-unquote backup point guard uh, with the Clippers, which probably isn't super surprising given who's on the roster. Like, he just fits in as the backup point guard. But, you know, there was times where Terrence Mann was playing point guard for them. Um. Norman Powell was able to be a secondary ball handler at times. Obviously, Kawhi and Paul George had the ball in their hands a ton. Russell Westbrook's the starter, but Bones Highland is, I don't know, maybe it's just the way they were saying it, this means nothing, but he's going to be 
the backup point guard for Russell Westbrook. I don't know if that means it's going to be like 28 and 20 with the minutes, or if it's more like 32 and 16, or if it can be like a 30 and, and 20 with both of them on the floor for a few minutes or 30 and 22. Bones Island had a lot of upside in Denver. And then obviously things just didn't work out. He has a new home and it didn't seem like at times last season, it was going to be a seamless fit. There was times that he just sat on the bench the whole game. But he's still a talented player. He can hit threes. Uh, he can pass the ball well. He can score. Um, he isn't going to probably help you with your field goal percentage at all. But uh, hearing that, I don't. Let's call it a a sixteen team league instead of a twelve team league. Sixteen teams going fourteen rounds. So you probably getting into the two hundreds with that. Uh, is he a guy that has some late round value for you or, or if he does in a 12 team league, like, does he have that for you? Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head with him, right? He has good fantasy talent. You know, I think the one game, it's a small sample size, but the one game he started last year for the Clippers, he put up like 20 and 11. Right. So, you know, you could see what, what what's, what's there for him. Right. But in terms of a, a standard redraft 12 team, he's a watchless guy for me. He's not going to be someone I'm looking to target. Just given uh, Westbrook's there, Terrence Mann is there, as you mentioned. Uh, if one of them goes down and misses games, yes, I, he'd be number one on my watch list to get in from the wire. Right. Deeper leagues. Yeah. What, have a crack, you know, 14, 14, 16 teams. Take him with your, with your last pick, second last pick. I have no issue with that. Uh, just know that that, uh, you know, it could be slow. He could have nights in which he's just playing 15 minutes, you know, 14 minutes. He could have nights when he's he's he's, he's shooting hot from three and he gets 23, 24 minutes and gets some value there. So, yeah, that, that's how I would look at him. But it is it is encouraging to hear that they're viewing him that way. And, and it does give a better outlook to him this year than it did last year. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think heading into last year, he was Jamal Murray's backup. And there was some times where he was going to probably see some minutes because Jamal Murray was going to miss time, but it just obviously didn't work out. But I, uh, I don't know if I'd take him with a late round pick, maybe in a deeper league. We'll see. I'm doing a uh, 16 team mock on Thursday on Wednesday, Wednesday is a 16 team mock. So we'll see. Maybe he ends up being a late round pick for me. Uh, but this is your boy right here. We're going to talk about Zion Williamson, uh, a reporter asked him what he worked on, and he said being unguardable. And then I saw another report um, that – and I put this in quotes, but I don't know if that's the exact way that, that was said. So I probably should have just paraphrased that instead of putting it in quotes, but whatever. Uh, reports that he focused on his body um, and did it like a professional. Uh, I think for the first time in his career – I don't remember who said it either – but it was uh, maybe it was Willie Green, maybe it was uh, a GM, maybe I don't remember. But uh, that he focused on his body this summer, treated like acted like a professional with it. Uh, didn't I think they had a like an external person to work with on his body? I don't remember. I should have pulled up this quote, but um, working on his body, working on his diet, things like that, just seems to be taking basketball very serious, uh, doing things the right way. I ask, are we back in on the Zion train? But it seems like you never got off. Yeah. Yes, sir. Let's go, Zion. But <laughs> all right. Um, so I I think, you know, obviously the quotes aside, you know, I think David Griffin also said that, yeah, he's treating his body like a professional. He said he's got better people around him now, which is very important for someone that that young and that much of a talent, right? If you don't have the right people around you, it could really take your career to the different way. 
um being unguardable he's not wrong man like when he's played like there's no one who's guarding him in in, in at the rim he is probably one of the best if not the best finisher right that is that is not that is not up for debate like he's up there right if he if he plays that's the thing um he's only played 114 games in his career over 4 years that to me was a shocking number right that is like that's one and a half season basically he's a third year player or second year player in terms of games experience entering into this year so where is adp is at the moment right which is on on yahoo we have it at about in the 60s is that correct yeah yahoo we have it in the 60s in uh, 64 in fantrax we have it at 52 do you have our uh, the draft only data yes he is 49 49 okay so at those at those spots i would be happy to take a crack at him i feel there is i'm the minority in this i know in this community i feel there is a top 25 top 30 upside in him and all he needs to do for that is get his free throw percentage up by 3% even right that will take him to the top 30 and if we are baking in percentage increases for players who are in their year 2 year 3 you know we're looking at kate getting his percentages up we're waiting on jalen green to up his percentages why can't we think the same for a guy who's played 114 games and is coming in why can't he up his percentage by a few percentage points right and with the volume he takes and that's going to make a big impact secondly we all know his legendary college defensive stats now they haven't translated so far in the 114 games right and we have him at what like let's like last year in the limited time he played he averages steal steal point um yeah 1.1 steal and 0.6 blocks if this is even 1.2 1.3 and 0.7 in blocks right again we know how much this this makes a difference i'm not saying he's going to go back to two blocks and one and a half steals a game no just a little bit of an increase and a little bit of free throw increase um and that that takes him to the top 30 is it likely no it's not but at round it pick 50 or pick 64 you're not getting many guys who have top 25 upside so again depending on how the rest of your draft is gone i would be happy to take him there knowing that knowing that i am going to get some shenanigans in terms of missed games i am going to get an injury risk there but again you make up for it for the rest of your draft and if it hits you have a league winner this is how you kind of differentiate winning leagues versus you know having a second or third finish if it's these kind of guys you take for example last year it was shay shay was going in the 40s and 50s in the league in leagues and people who took him essentially got a first round player in the pick 40s right i'm not saying zion or shay from last year but these are the kind of guys you need to be we need to be looking at if we want to win leagues Yeah, I mean, he definitely has the talent. I'm not saying he probably won't finish as a quote-unquote first rounder um in nine cat scoring because he doesn't really hit many threes yeah. even if he isn't pretty right. free throw percentage slightly. Uh probably still isn't enough and still turns the ball over, but I think he he kind of has that Giannis effect of he's significantly better than what his nine cat ranking and production is showing because he has a couple categories that he's just either not going to help you in or just really hurt you in such as not yeah. helping you with threes hurting you with turnovers and free throw percentage but he is a guy that I think that I know I'm lower on him you're much higher on him if when I've drafted him in mocks it's because I got Giannis in the first round you don't have to punt free throws with either of them like if you choose mm. if you don't choose to like you don't have to but I think going ahead and rolling with that and saying okay I'm going to go Giannis 
I'm going to not hit threes, not have turnovers and, or have a lot of turnovers, not have a high free throw percentage. Perfect. Let me go ahead and add Zion to this in round four or five. Like if that's something that you can make happen, I think that's probably the best use of Zion where you're able to maximize uh, what his production is and having those two kind of guys fit together. Um, the games played still worries me and you can't yep. draft. I mean, you, you have to consider it. I think, but like what you said, what you do is you take safer options. Like you don't pair, you don't, you don't go Paul George end of round three, Kawhi start of round four, and then Zion end of round five. Like you just don't nope. do that because that's like, you're begging for them to get hurt. Like if you do, if you get one, that's great. But if you're just doing all of this and just saying, well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope they play games. I mean, sure. You have a slight chance of this hitting and you having the greatest fantasy team of all time, but it's just, the odds are very much against that. So I think if you if you have, in my opinion, Giannis and other healthy players that are probably going to play 70-plus games with your first four picks, then I'm probably very comfortable taking Zion round five, maybe even round four if I'm going that with the first three picks and able to continue to do that after that. I'm pretty low on Zion, but again, you have to kind of take some of these media day quotes and say what's real, what's not. All the, you know... This is he's in the best shape of his life. One's like we've heard that you know, before, right? They say that every year. But for yeah. David Griffin to say this is the first time that we've seen Zion train like a pro, and it's like, are we saying this just like, like why are we saying this? Are we saying this to say, oh guys, like seriously, like those first four years, like we were really upset with what he did, and he's finally just beating the standard, or is it saying? guys those first four years like he just he wasn't operating properly because he just wasn't acting like a professional he's actually doing the thing now like watch out like league watch out he's ready to take over i guess we kind of have to look at it like that which one is it that's for each fantasy manager to kind of decide when they're drafting is to say how real is this i'm probably leaning towards more of this being kind of real and saying oh, shoot, okay, he's actually going to be the Zion that we kind of expected when he came out. Um, not going to ever root against the player, so hopefully he's able to have a good season. Correct, uh, correct. And Alperin Shengun, I don't know how high you are on him, but I know that I am a little bit low. I was high on him last year. I'm still high on him in Dynasty. I was just a little bit lower on him heading into this season because I just questioned – how he was going to fit because some of the things that he struggled with are things that I felt like, I mean, Doko was really going to want out of the center position, such as what's his impact defensively. He averaged 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks last year, but he wasn't a great defender. Like he just, he's not going to protect the paint and make teams. They're not going to funnel teams into their shot blocker. Like he's not awful, but he's not probably, up to the same standard as some of the other guys. So I was questioning, okay, how much is Amey Doka going to put up with this if he has four guys out there that are playing really good defense, forcing turnovers, and then teams are able to just keep scoring because Shengun's down there and he's a liability at times. But he talked today at Media Day about his two focuses this summer were defense and shooting. He said he didn't think he was a bad shooter, but you can always improve. And I think having him as kind of a stretch five in a way I think that kind of opens up things offensively for them. 
uh, to the point where just having a th- like five guys that can shoot from deep. I mean, he averaged 0.3 threes per game last year. So he wasn't really adding them. But if he can get that to a three per game, that helps. Uh, and the other thing that was mentioned uh, was Jeff Green signed with Houston and Shingun has been asking all the questions that he can, trying to get every bit of information about how Jokic operates and how uh, Jokic repairs for things. And the fact that he is one, obviously not super surprising, but seeing the comparisons that everybody makes about this, you know, tall European big man that can pass and just saying, huh, baby Jokic, cool. That would be great for that to happen in fantasy. I don't think anybody's expecting that because, you know, he's it's Jokic. But if he can kind of approach and start to kind of mold his game in that way, that opens up a lot for Houston. I feel like the past few months I've been kind of down on Shangun saying, eh, I don't know if I'm really super interested in drafting him, but I have no problem going back on my on what I've been saying if this is actually something that's legit here. Like, are we, you know, not expecting him to come in and be some dominant shot blocker, but if he's able to stay on the floor and play more minutes because he's like either helping defensively or just simply not limiting them defensively. And he's able to add to close to a three per game or 0.83s per game and trying to be more like Jokic. Like those are things that to me stand out. It's not your typical, Oh my gosh, he's done this so much better. He's a whole new player, blah, 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 blah. It's not something like that. Like this felt more tangible to me. Is that something that you're kind of reading into as a good thing or something that just kind of eh, whatever? Yes. Yeah, so I like you. I was big on Shingun last Shingun last year as well. Um, you know, I feel like his fantasy skill set, even if he ends up like a like a mini Sabonis, that is a win, right? We don't have to yep. look at a top 20 player of all time in Nikola Jokic. We could even look at a Sabonis and he that's that's a W right there. This year, right, where he's going in drafts, and first of all, these these comments are really encouraging, right, in terms of defense and shooting, yes. And then uh, Nikola Jokic, you know, a lot of big men should look at that coming in as a prototype for what they can be if they're not as... You know, if they're not the most athletically gifted, or even if they are, right? Like you, you want to look at that as a prototype for building out your your game. Um, in terms of for for this year, he's one of those guys who has a wide range of outcomes it could get, right? Like he could get in, and you could you could get a top thirty player if he plays 33, 34 minutes, and and you know Udoka uh, Udoka f- falls in love with him. Or if he's playing 28 minutes a night, then you're not getting that value. You're getting top 70, top 80, maybe even top 90 value then, right? That's more like it. So mm-hmm. for me, where he's going at the moment, right? If you see he's going 61 on Yahoo, 52 on Fantrax. Uh, do you have the ADP data for our leagues? 54 on FBI. 54. I don't know if I'm, I'm looking to get him in the 50s, unless in the next one week or so in the preseason, we see him. You know, we see some encouraging signs from him. I would rather wait till the 60s and 70s to get him. Just because in the 50s, even if he gets that 33, 34 minutes, from 50, how many spots of, of upside is there then? Like it's maybe 10 spots, right? Which is good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. 10 spots of upside in each round. If you're able to get that, you, you're in a chance to win your league. But the downside is 50 spots. The downside is the top 90 player, 40 spots. So I would be looking at him and like in the 70s, if I can get him all day, right? In the 60s, I'll take a I'll take a look. Just given that if I've drafted differently and um, and more sort of safer outcomes in the first five picks, 
that's how I would look at him. He does have really good upside, but there are players on that team, right? I mean, a lot of players talk about uh, Jock Landale. Um, a lot of people talk about Jock Landale being there. I don't see him coming in the way that much of Sengun's grow, mm-hmm. but they could play Jabari at five, right? If they mm-hmm. really want to go small, mm-hmm. uh, they could get. Uh, I, I don't think that's also that that likely, but if that that really depends on how Eason plays as well. If they want to play Eason, that's the only way of making Eason play twenty five minutes. So there are a lot of outcomes there, and Houston's a stacked team, as we know, like stacked with talent. I'm not I'm not sure for like overall for championship, but stacked with right. fantasy talent for sure. So. So that's that's where that's where I'm at with it in terms of for for Sengun. It'd be very interesting. One of the one of the watch list guys for me in the preseason is him and how he's played. Yeah, I think preseason will be interesting. I'm also I don't know if this will happen during the preseason during the regular season, but if I'm Udoka, I'm definitely experimenting with Jabari Smith the five. Probably not as a starting unit, but minutes here and there, seeing if we like it. If it works out well, like Jabari Smith. At the five, Tari Eason at the four, Dylan Brooks at the three, Jalen Green at the two, Fred Van Vliet at the one, or even moving in with, you know, an athletic guy like Cam Whitmore or getting Amen Thompson at the one. Just like with, if you have like Thompson, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, uh, Tari Eason, Jabari Smith, like that's five guys that can play defense or five athletic guys. I don't, I don't know if I would call Jalen Green a, like a really good defender, but like, He's athletic enough that I feel like he'd fit in with four other guys that I think are good defenders for sure. Um, I haven't done enough research to determine whether Jalen Green is a good defender or not. So I'm not, don't take that either way with like confidently, but um, there's a lot of lineup experimenting that Houston can do. And if some, if some of this stuff clicks, it's like, are you really force feeding Shen Goon 32, 34 minutes a night? Um, not because Jock Landale is going to come in there and, and take his minutes, but because this small ball lineup is really, really good defensively, and we still have offensive scoring, you know, offensive creation. But is Shangun also having him off the floor limits the offense? I think it's just a lot to kind of figure out with Houston because we haven't seen it. It feels like a brand new team just with the amount of talent they've added. So I think it's something. Like you said, preseason watch list, definitely something that'll be interesting to watch um, over the next few weeks. I don't know exactly when their first preseason game is, but definitely something to keep an eye on. John Morant uh, obviously has the 25-game suspension, but there were reports saying that he would be traveling with the team uh, and practicing the entire time during the suspension. Um, Does that make – because you know I feel like a lot of times when there's suspensions – guys aren't allowed on team facility like in the facility at all but it seems like jaw's gonna one get a chance to like build chemistry with guys off the floor such as like derrick rose marcus smart that are new um and continue to work out be in game shape i'm sure even do a little bit more because he doesn't have to like he's not playing games so he's gonna be able to work his body even harder there might be a couple games when he first comes back that it's you know you can tell he's getting back into playing, but I don't think it's going to take him long. Like I think after the 25 games, he's going to get right back to being John Morant. Uh, so it's not going to feel like a lost season. Obviously missing 25 games is huge, especially in the FBI leagues. Like that's, that's a big loss if we're drafting again in January. Um, and he's not going to be back until I, I'm trying to mid December, I reckon Mid-December. Christmas yeah. around there. 
Yeah. I was, I was trying to remember. I thought I did some like wrote something about it. I think it's like a couple of days after Christmas. So I think it I think it is something around there. So if you're not able to use them there, like obviously it loses value, but in a full season, I feel like I'd be more comfortable after realizing or, or hearing that he's gonna be around the team as opposed to missing the first two months, then trying to get reacclimated to you know being around teammates. There's only so much work you can do away from the team. Are you more comfortable? As I'm saying, this is his FBI ADP is 67. How did, does that go up for you, or is was that already kind of high? Yeah, so I think it is encouraging that he's going to be with the team. That means his transition, as you said, to starting or or coming off the bench for the first few games and then starting after his suspension is high. For me, it really depends on your league. At that ADP or in the 60s, uh, I would not be looking at him because. Even when he comes back, his upside in in eight cat even right, not even nine cat is is what a top top forty player, top fifty player, right? He's mm-hmm. he's nowhere near that upside of like someone who's um, who's who's going to give you top twenty value when they come back or top fifteen value when they when they come back, right? Most of us don't have him projected that high. So in a category league in the sixties, I. I even if I've drafted safer guys in the first five or six picks, I'm pretty sure that in, in that round, I could take someone else who would fit my bills better than the guy who's going to miss 25 games. So at 62 high for me, however, in a points league, you know, where he, where he has a chance of doing really well for all our points league listeners, maybe yeah, in the 60s, I would have a crack because when he comes back, he can be a top 25 player easily. Right. Um, I would be more comfortable in a roto setting to grab him in the seventies, eighties, um, mm-hmm. in a head to head, I just don't feel I'm not as high on him this year. I just don't feel that the, the, the juice is worth the squeeze at like 64. I just, I, it's just, it's a bit too high for me, man. There's, there's, there's guys there who I'd rather have. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. With FBI, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't touch him until maybe even like past a hundred. I'll have a look if I want to, if I want a wild card for my playoffs, but then I need to make the playoffs to have a wild card for my playoffs in January. So, uh, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it. Uh, it is encouraging he's there. That means his transition is faster. But overall, I would have him much lower on my draft. Yeah, I, was, I had wrote this um, to talk about because I was like, oh, maybe I will be. And then I checked his ADP as you were talking. I was like, ah, that's already, uh, that's already a tad high uh, to get him at round. Like, that would be in the sixth round. So if you're looking at it, Guys that are right after him are Chris Middleton, Tyler Hero, Jeremy Grant, CJ McCollum, Derek White's going to go down, Devin Vassell, Cameron Jones. It's like, man, John ja, ja is really, really good uh, in points leagues. Very obviously one of the best point guards in the NBA, but you know he's not giving you a ton of threes, turning it over a, a lot. His free throw percentage is, eh, it's pretty low for a point guard. Despite being a freak athlete, he doesn't really block shots his field goal percentage regressed after being really really high the year before i remember having this conversation where it was like man john just had probably the best season that he's like a really really good season and he was still barely a top 50 guy in nine cap value and it's because of these little limitations here and there it's like how much better could he get he averaged 27.4 points 5.7 boards 6.7 assists two years ago and it's like okay like the assists and rebounds went up points went down a little bit, but the field goal percentage regressed. So it's like overall, I think this season, he's still a guy like if he was, if he didn't have the 25 game suspension, obviously he'd go higher, but I don't, 
I don't think he's a guy that's like, oh, like without the suspension. I think you were kind of getting at this, but like you're taking him. I don't even know. It's hard to say, but like, are you taking him in like the second or third round? Probably third, fourth round with mm. no suspension. Assists are really assists are really hard, right? So I think he'd go third, yes. fourth round, maybe. Yeah, and he obviously like getting a guy that can average twenty five plus points, five, six rebounds, and eight. Like obviously that has value in its own, even if the nine cap value doesn't translate uh, perfectly. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the twenty five game suspension, it it kind of hurts. I think I'd take him in the tops. Mm, I'll say, man, it's hard for me. I don't even know if I would do it. I probably have to go like eighth round just because I mean, missing 25 games is I feel comfortable about when he comes back. I just, that's a lot to miss that many games early on for me. I think, I think I'm probably pretty hesitant to take him with this news. I'm more comfortable. Uh, I think when he comes back, he's going to be just fine, but I don't know. Seventh or eighth round, probably more towards the eighth round for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and just a couple other things uh, that we'll briefly hit on because we're at an hour now. But uh, Dallas is planning to start alongside Kyrie, Luca, and Grant Williams. Derek Lively and Omax, I think it's Olivier Maxence Prosper. I need to look up these pronunciations for some of these rookies, but uh, I think I said that one right. But they're planning to start, though, that's they're going to be their starting five during the preseason. Now, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the stunning five during the regular season. They could just be trying to see how these guys fit alongside their stars before kind of seeing where they're going to fit in this season. But I think it's encouraging because there was reports earlier in the summer that Derek Lively did not look good for Dallas. I remember uh, Josh Lloyd had tweeted about saying, what other rookies aside from the top three are probably going to start this season? Um, and I said, Oh, Derek Lively. And he's like, no, like I'm, what I've heard is that he doesn't look good. And I was like, Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. Obviously I don't have any sources, but um, to see them want to start him. I don't know if it's just kind of like a thing where they're just trying to see what they got, but I have to think that maybe not as much in your redraft, maybe a little bit more optimism for dynasty and like a tad is like a late round flyer for lively. Uh, does that make you want to draft Eric lively or Omax in the final round of draft? Final round by no by no means. What am I against it? Have a crack right there. The far worse mm-hmm. upside picks you could get. Um, he does have that quintessential big man skill set in terms of fantasy field goal blocks rebounds. Right? Um, <coughs> excuse me. I think in terms of uh, it'll be very interesting to see in the preseason. Does he stand out in these games? And mm-hmm. does does it look like it's in? Uh, he's going to play 23, 24 minutes because that's the key, right? He could be starting and still not be playing twenty minutes because if you look at that depth chart, they have centers there. They have Dwight Powell, they have Rashawn Holmes, who we, um, uh, who's there, and then they also have Maxi Kleber as well, right? Who can play mm-hmm. at five? Mm-hmm. So there are different types of centers available for Jason Kidd to to work into lineups. So I I would be keen to see in the in the preseason, but I would also there is a chance that he really does well in the preseason and then he gets like hyped to go in the top 100 or top 110. I mean, I don't know if I'll be interested in that, obviously, depending on how the preseason goes. But in the last round, by no means, like, am I against it? You definitely go for it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, especially more so for Lively, just if he is starting, I think getting some 
some blocks there in that last round is, has value. Um, even if he does well in the preseason, that's a good point that you make to try and like hold the line, kind of realize, you know, that it may not translate to a full season of fantasy success. And it's something to kind of temper your expectations, let everybody else let the ADP run up and go ahead and get some better value later on. Uh, but let, last round, I don't think you can go wrong with any pick in the last round, anybody that has a little bit of upside. So uh, Draymond Green injured his, uh, I think, left ankle. 50-50 shot him right. Um, and is expected to miss four to six weeks, but he'll be reevaluated in two. I don't know if, how much the reevaluation will impact the timeline, but best case scenario is that there's a chance that he's there for opening night or only misses a game or two. Worst case is he ends up missing the first couple weeks of the season. Um, his FBI ADP was 82. Um, does realizing that he's going to miss the – you know, potentially miss the first couple of weeks. How does that um, impact how you feel about drafting him this year? And then also when you look at it, I think this is what's probably going to end up happening in my opinion is if he, when he misses however many games he ends up missing, uh, that's probably going to give them the chance to start Chris Paul, Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney. I don't like Jonathan Kuminga will benefit with some extra minutes here and there, but I think this is actually going to be them starting both Chris Paul and Kavon Looney, which we spent the whole summer trying to figure out which one they were going to start. And now opening night, it looks like it's going to be both. But how does that impact where you're taking Draymond, considering he's going kind of end of round seven, beginning of round eight? Yeah. Three three things for me on this, right? Number one, I think just given that Draymond is not a quote-unquote sexy name that people find in drafts, right? Like it's that yeah. punt points, punt points people, players are you could get them late that's why punt points is a really strong bill i don't know if you saw the draft yesterday that we did with uh Birab and i did mm-hmm. like emma the she, the team she drafted was a punt points team and she got a lot of value because people are, are always looking at points and flashy assists right in the beginning 10 to yeah. at least so number one i think draymond could fall even from the 90s like if he's not you could get him outside the top 100 like right now he's going in the 80s and 90s outside the top 100 i'm i'm happy to have a have a look yeah. there and I would let him fall outside the top 100 because I feel there is a chance of that, right? There's a strong chance of that. That's number one. Number two, I think in terms of fantasy, if you want rebounds at the end of the draft for like a few weeks, you know, if the Warriors schedule is good, potentially, you know, that's another strategy in late rounds. Like if you want to make a strong start to your season, look at the guys who for the first few weeks may have uh, upside that. Right in terms of first few weeks may start. So if you want to boost and rebounds for the first two weeks, you're behind it a little bit. There's no one available at pick 150. Pick Looney. He'll give you 10 rebounds, nine rebounds easily, right? Mm-hmm. That's the second one uh, for Jonathan. Um, well, I'm big on him in Dynasty. I, I do have him in a couple of leagues. But again, I'm with you. I don't see he's going to do more than 20, 25, 22 minutes, 23 minutes like that. Um and again, if you if you want to have a crack in the final round, I'm not going to fault any of these picks, right? Because it's the final round. You could drop them after one game. But I don't see him providing that much of value and even with, with Draymond out. Um, that's how I would look at this. The, yeah, and I'd be excited to get Draymond after pick 100, man. Like, he could potentially return one week into the season. Yeah, it may not be that long, but... He's definitely – he's a guy that goes under the radar for me. He's definitely a guy that I'm like, eh, I don't really know if I want Draymond. So something I need to learn to be more aware of. But um, this last point we have is Brandon Miller. Uh, I 
maybe this was just me totally missing this report from July that he had been dealing with uh, mononucleosis or mono, um, which impacted, I think, either him during workouts or impacted him during summer league. But uh, Steve Clifford said today that he's fully healthy, and I will pull this tweet up in a second, but uh, he gained 10 pounds of muscle back. So he's, I think saw he's up to 210. Um, but after kind of a poor summer league showing, knowing that he may have been limited by an illness and that he's back to hundred percent and has gained 10 pounds. I know, which you know, I'll just go ahead and, uh, pull up. Let me see if I, uh, yeah. So I have it right here. The muscle watch leaderboard today. Um, tweet from Michael Gallagher, uh, says it on there that Brandon Miller gained, 10 pounds. Peyton Watson gained 20. Max Christie gained 15 to 20 pounds. Walker Kessler, 15 pounds. Victor Wembanyama 10 to 15 pounds. Jason Tatum, 12 pounds. Giannis, 11. Scotty Barnes, 9. JT Thor, 8. Evan Mobley, 7. Nikola Jovic, not Jokic, Jovic, gained 20 pounds. So, you know, all that to ask, um, as I go back to Brandon Miller, um, do we feel more comfortable with him? Are we going to kind of chalk that kind of iffy summer league performance? I mean, he had some flashes, but it felt like he wasn't getting to the basketball. Maybe it was because of the illness. Uh, not saying, uh, yeah, I guess just what's kind of your outlook for him uh, this season. Yeah. For me, you know, while it's encouraging about you know, the weight gain and, and all the, all the muscle that everyone's gained, um, for me, he remains a last round, second last round kind of guy. Like, if you want him, like maybe potentially you don't get him in the last round just because it's you know he's he's a number two pick and people are going to take him earlier. So if you want to have a crack at him after like pick one twenty five, one thirty, like that, I I got no problem with it because you know at, at that stage of the draft, there's this is what you're kind of looking for. Like if if it blows up and he does well, he gives you 30, 40 spots of value. You're laughing. So I'm happy with him in in the later rounds. Um, in terms of in terms of, we still need to keep in mind that the depth in uh, in Charlotte for that spot is that there are there are guys who can play right. There's obviously Miles Bridges when he comes back. There's PJ. There's there's Gordon Hayward as well who's playing there. You know, depending on uh, on uh, Cody Martin if he plays up at the three as well, but most likely he's going to play a lot of the two. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they run things right uh, in 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 the preseason as well. But again, one thing to keep in mind: the preseason is not going to have Miles Bridges, right? So maybe Brandon Miller plays 32, 33 minutes, looks good, and then his ADP goes up again. And then we draft him at pick 100 or pick, pick 105, 90, like that. And then when the season starts, first 10 games, he's doing well, we're laughing. And then after 10 games, Miles Bridges comes back and then his minutes could potentially reduce his bet. This is all conjecture, obviously. But yeah. this is just how I'm saying in terms of like viewing preseason. View it, but also look at it with the broader circumstances there as well. Um, so yeah, that's how where I'm at with Brandon Miller in terms of the last few rounds. Be happy to have a crack uh, and see what happens from there. Another thing to note from the Charlotte presser is Mark Williams wants to shoot threes. I missed that. Uh, he that's said, a good one. He said he's gonna. Yeah, he said he's gonna try to shoot a few threes. I mean, but that's we talked about this earlier in the pod, right? Uh, you you have a lot of these big men who come up with these kind of quotes in the preseason. So let's see if he does. You know, I, I'm big on Brad, Mark, Mark Williams this year. You know, like I, I think we've talked about it as well. I think not just from a three standpoint, but from a block standpoint, he could he could really 
be like a 1.7, 1.8 blocks guy because his college block rate was so high. And he's gained, he's on the muscle watch list as well. So I'm pretty excited about, about Mark Williams this year. But if he shoots threes, then wow. But it's unlikely, Jones. Yeah. Shoot, I totally missed that Mark Williams thing. I like that. Hopefully he doesn't shoot him. Let him shoot him in the preseason. And then we don't want to tank his field goal percentage. So we don't want him to be in the habit of it. But I, uh, his Brandon Miller's ADP on in FBI leagues was one is 144, 140.73 with how the numbers work out. He went undrafted in two of them. I think he's a guy, like you said, late round pick. I was pretty low on Brandon Miller. And I feel like, I think I've said this on a podcast before, but a lot of my frustration and why I'm so low on Brandon Miller is the fact that Charlotte took him at two and he definitely shouldn't. I Scoot Henderson should have been at three, but before that I was very much Brandon Miller go at three. Like, he was still the third best player in this draft to me. Maybe not for fantasy, but just third best talent to me. Um, but then the fact that Charlotte took him at two, it just felt like a, a reach with Scoot there. So I feel like I have this, like, I don't know, negative viewpoint of Brandon Miller. He's still a very good player. Um, I think, like you said, during the preseason, not having Miles Bridge, he's going to play a larger role. Just, you know, I think he's probably a guy that's going to end up being maybe really good in the preseason and then kind of limited as the season goes on, because I think especially early on Charlotte's going to try and be better than they were last year. Like they were missing a lot of guys. They have more talent this year. They should be better. I think Charlotte is a dark horse play in team, which feels weird to say, be considering how bad they were, but they have miles bridges back. Lamella ball should be is healthy. Mark Williams is another, another year under his belt. I think that there's a chance that they're playing in the postseason. You know, they were playing team the two years before that. So all that to be said, Brandon Miller totally finds a late round target. And I think hearing that maybe it was just something that I needed to hear that he had been sick and now he's not. So maybe he'll be a little bit better um, this season than summer league kind of showed hopefully, but that's going to do it for media day. I'm sure there was a lot more quotes that were a lot of fun to talk about that we could have pulled up, but you know, a lot of them didn't mean a thing, but they're fun. Yeah, they're like fun. The, like the quintessential Anthony Davis is the face of the franchise. Anthony Davis is the number one option. That that that, that quote comes out every year for the last four years from LeBron and from the coach. Uh, while I do hope that Anthony Davis does become the first option because LeBron's touching forty, and we hope that Anthony Davis can become the first option. But that's one of those which you hear every year, uh, and you've heard it this year as well. Yeah, and obviously there's you know things like that, but also you you talk about like the the drama ish quotes like John Collins saying that he was surprised by everybody in Utah with the lack of egos there, and it's like, okay, man, like yeah, I, I think everybody knows that Trey Young has an ego, but it's why he's the point guard that he is is the fact that he has an ego. Anyways, I don't think it took a uh, John Collins saying that for me to know that Trey Young had an ego, but. I think uh, that'll do it because obviously we can pick apart a million more quotes. Um, but Gurren, thank you for joining me to talk about media day. Appreciate it, man. I hope this was, uh, this was useful for everyone and can't wait for the preseason, man. So much is going to come out. So many hot takes are going to come in. It's this is, this is the time that we all live for draft season starting. You know, there's going to be so much happening. This is, this is exciting times, you know? Yeah, man. And good luck with the uh, the rest of your World Cup draft. Yes, sir. Hopefully no one snipes people. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But let's going to do it. All right. See you, man.
All right. So that's going to do it. This was episode 28 of the Tank Me Later podcast. Make sure you give Curran a follow at Curran underscore Toll War 27. If you're watching it, it was right up there on the screen. You could have seen it for the past hours. Hopefully you got it down to give him a follow. Uh, make sure you are following. Um, let me go ahead and make sure I'm doing this right. At FBI Basketball. At FBI Basketball on Twitter. Uh, follow me at NoRubin22. Uh, you can sc- subscribe to my Substack. Uh, com. like rate review this podcast if you're on youtube just like share it um whatever you got to do tell the world to listen to this podcast it would help us out a ton uh but that's going to do it for this episode and thanks for listening you just listened to another episode from the fantasy basketball international podcast network thanks for joining us And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.